Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 69. We're days away from November, and you know what that means, the holidays. And for a lot of craftsmen and women out there, that means the selling season. So people are starting to put together their Christmas wish lists, and they're looking for that perfect gift for their loved ones. Handmade goods are always a big hit, so it's time to gear up for holiday selling. We're going to cover a few basics around production, gauging demand, and how to price your goods for holiday selling, and we're also running a discount on our pricing guide to help you get your pricing on point, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But before we get into it, we do want to thank some new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Ursus Woodworking and Nathan Tikanor. Nathan, I am really sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) I know I missed that. Uh, If you do want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. John, what is going on, my man? Oh, good to be back on a normal show, man. Um, I got a lot going on. I'm I'm playing a lot of catch up over here with sponsors. I'm in content that's owed before the end of the year. Um, So I am, you know, just grinding out in the shop. Got my new guy, Sam Green. I'm crushing out video and stuff, which is awesome. But I am uh, I'm kind of bummed because it's it, it's not going to allow me to go to Stafta this year with you, which is uh, which is actually where you are right now as this uh, show's dropping. Yeah, as this show's dropping, I am uh, probably going through security. Uh, hopefully, I will not. I, I just bought the new knife that I lost in security when we went to Maker Ranch because I forgot to take it out of my pocket because I hadn't flown in so long. Uh, so yeah, so we'll have missed you there, but. Uh, Hopefully, if anybody's out there in Phoenix, we'll get to see you. But yeah, as this uh, releases, I'll be out there, and I have just finished up my small bathroom renovation. So on my side, same thing, dude. I'm, I'm crushing on some content I have to do. Uh, just put out the flooring video for the bathroom, and then the full reno for the bathroom will be coming out this week. Uh, should. Should be coming out for both of those. Neither of those may be out until, you know, next year, but who knows. Uh, so <laughs> always trying to to manage the content through the approval process and all of that good stuff. But those are our own holiday pushes. But uh, as we both know, we used to we used to go to the grindstone on the holiday selling season on the small goods, man. This this is like a uh, cutting board season, dude. Yes. That's like, uh, yeah, I remember the, even last year you, you were I'm, crushing out some cutting. I'm boards. about to do some more. I mean, it's 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 low hanging fruit for me. And like I have so many offcuts from all the hardwood projects I've been doing recently that um, it's definitely worth my time. Plus, I get a lot of inquiries from family members to to do some stuff like this. So um, I figure, why not? I've got some cool ideas where I can make a little bit of content around uh, around the cutting boards and uh, you know those small batch items. Uh, but it does you know lend itself to a little bit of thinking back to when like this was a main staple for myself and for a lot of uh, people who perhaps are listening to the show and, you know, looking to make an extra couple bucks around the holidays, capitalize on the time of year and, uh, and get some of these products out. So 
uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm kind of thinking through my workflow here, and you and I were pitching on ideas for the show, and thought that this would be a good uh, a good topic that would resonate with a lot of people, especially as you know November's coming in hot yeah. on us. So winter um, is coming. So, yes, <laughs> winter is, and, and I think that's the cool thing is like the the holidays. It's kind of an interesting combination because a lot of people get time off, right? So kids are off of school, or like if if you're in school, you you get time off school. You also get holidays. A lot of corporate jobs give holidays around uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so you, you've, you've kind of got a little bit of extra time here and there as well. And, and uh, even myself, who I, I this wasn't necessarily a main staple, but for the holidays, yeah, I geared up. I made some cutting boards and coasters and different things. And we'll, we'll talk all about that. But, you know, what we wanted to hit on was like, all right, what to sell, where to sell it, how much to sell it for, and some tips around production. But one of the things about selling, you know, the, one of the most important things is getting the right price. I teased it at the very beginning of the show. I'll hit it now. I'll hit it again at the end of the show. Right now, if you are not familiar, it's been it's been a minute since we talked about it. Uh, we have a pricing guide. So we have a guide out there. Whether you're going to base your products on margin-based pricing, markup, or time and material. Uh, and we'll also talk about some market-based pricing. But uh, if you want a guide to get you along that road and to do all the calculations for you, you basically enter how much labor you put in, how much supplies you put in, what you want to make on it from either a markup or margin perspective, and it will spit you out a price. And that is the Made for Profit Pricing Guide. And if you use the code MFP Holidays, you will get 25% off of that. So head over to... Uh, you can head over to Made for Profit uh, pricing guide to get that, but you can also head over to the show notes, madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 69, and we'll have all the details there. But we want to give you guys a little uh, little bonus here for the holidays and help you guys get your pricing on point for, especially for some of those larger items. Yeah, we cleaned that thing up a couple months back and everyone that uses it absolutely loves it. So if you want to make an extra couple bucks, make sure you got your pricing in line before you get into anything we talk about on this show. So... That being said, um, you know, we, we wanted to uh, kind of give our experience here and then talk about what we've heard in from others and seen successes and kind of things with this topic. And the first thing we really wanted to talk about here was like what to sell during the holidays. Everyone um, is trying to put their spin on capitalizing on on time of year and, and, and seasonal, um, you know, seasonal market changes are real. You know, there's a lot of businesses out there that make massive quantities of their yearly in this time of year, you know, around the holidays. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you do have to be set up properly and you do want to make sure that you're prepared in the right ways. Um, so for that, you know, take a step back and look at your year, you know, take us an afternoon uh, on the, on the weekend before you get revved up and look at, uh, you know, what uh, products of yours were selling the most, where would be the most value to add to your audience kind of thing. Do an 80, 20 evaluation of your business. You know, you're like, we, like we talked about in that episode, you're going to have 20% of your revenue, uh, excuse me, 80% of your revenue is going to be coming from 20% of what you made last year for the most part, or in some some type of scale towards that. With that, that's going to be where you want to focus for the holidays because that's going to be where most of the interest is going to be coming in on your products. So for you to be, you know, crushing your yearly on, say, coffee tables, for instance, and seeing the holidays come around, don't just immediately drop everything to make cutting boards because they're hot during the holidays. 
Think about that state, those staple items and where your revenue is coming from and see how you can add value in there. One thing I think is massively underutilized in the maker community is couponing or discounting, um, mm-hmm. you know, future sales. You know, those Hitting are up your people you've already had. Exactly. And those are great opportunities for a lot of you and a lot of us out there to make money in the future based on sales right now. Um, so you might not get the exact transaction to happen in the moment, but you have that promise of purchase with the purchase of a coupon or something for down the line. Um, and that's also a nice gesture for friends and family who, you know, know somebody might be in the market, uh, just bought a new home, for instance, or whatever might be happening there to give them a little bit of a discount and drive them towards your sales funnel. So yeah. think about that. that think about the products too, that are right? selling a ton for you. Yeah. Yeah, because it goes both ways in the sense that you can offer discounts or just even promote back to people you've already done business with, right? That that's yeah. that's a great way to look at it. And if if you're wondering where that episode, if you go to episode 20, way back in the archive, that's the 80-20 rule. So that that we're talking about there. Uh and and if you have the nice thing too would be uh if you had holiday sales last year, hone in on that because it's probably gonna going to differ depending upon what your audience is, where you sell and how you sell, uh, like, right. Mate, coffee tables might pick up. Cause that's a, that is a, a time where people, especially dining tables, things like that. I mean, you might be a little bit behind that curve as far as, um, for Thanksgiving, because everybody wants a new dining table, you know, when they're bringing family over and stuff, uh, that's, that's a popular time to get those. But, um, you know, maybe your large items are the things that sell best in the holidays. And like John said, you don't want to be wasting your time doing cutting boards when you can do something that, you're going to make a lot more markup on, um, or, or at least a dollar wise, a lot more markup and margin dollar wise off of one item versus having to sell 38 cutting boards to, to make the same amount. Right. Yeah. And you can make a chunk there. So, and you also don't have to build it right now. You know, if, if you want to, if you're promoting 20 or 30, whatever percent off of your retail price for something and someone purchases it now, you know, that's with the understanding that they won't have that product until, you know, next uh, spring kind of thing. So you can make the sale now and then however your funnel manages that, uh, you know, that deposit transaction and all that stuff, um, you could still get a little chunk of change and then have the product be produced down the line. So you don't have to worry about crushing something out right now um, while your time's probably already squeezed with the holidays coming up. So definitely look into what's been working for you over the past year. You've got a great data pool of sales and then focus on that 20% of what you're selling that's making you the most amount of money and see how you can add value to your uh, to, to anyone that may be purchasing from you right there to go in conjunction with that, you definitely want to be considering current trends or market trends that are happening in the moment. Now I did say just because cutting boards are hot, don't drop everything. Yes. But if you can supplement what you're doing and put in an extra hour or two a day to batch out some of these small parts, goods, definitely what you want to be considering. Um, you know, those are, those are the hot ticket items that are going to be last minute gifts. I get it literally every single year, week of Christmas. Oh my God, John, do you have any cutting boards available? Well, no, but let me see if I can throw in together. And, uh, and you know, I have a stack of them that are sitting there waiting, um, just for this situation. Now, I'm in a little bit of a different situation just solely because I've been doing it for four or five years now. And, uh, you know, people come to expect it from me and I happen to have a solid social media following. But with that being said, you know, don't overexert yourself to create a ton of a product if you don't know the markets there to sell it. For me, there's no there's no loss in creating a dozen cutting boards right now, because if they sit on the shelf for a year, it doesn't matter. 
I can always move them down the line for other things. But for those of you that need to be making money at the moment to cover your overhead and your bills, you know, don't just stop what you're doing to make these. Make sure that it's a supplemental income. And while you study the market trends, you know, what types of products can you get done quickly and efficiently? If you can make two or three at a time, that's going to be definitely going to be the type of product you want to be considering compared to something like a dining table, coffee table, you know, serving trays, whatever. That'll take you one product at a time. It takes you a couple of days and takes away from production time on your main staple business. Yeah, these are great filler items, too. If you are a little light in the uh, in the workflow and, you know, your backlog is is dwindled down a bit, this is a great opportunity. Like you said, one of the things, John, we'll hit it here in a minute, but to look at what to sell is like, what can you make with those offcuts? Like go in and like when you bought the board feet for a walnut dining table uh, and you ended up with 10 extra board feet, that's a lot of product. Like you can get a lot out of 10 board feet for uh, when you're talking about small goods and and look at those things. Uh, and one of the things that uh, when you think about what to sell, think about, you know, it's the holidays, right? So th- so put yourself in the holiday mindset of like when you're shopping for people, there's different types of people you shop for, right? There's maybe uh, your kid's teacher. Uh, there's an acquaintance, you know, a coworker possibly for a, a white elephant, you know, maybe not a white elephant gift, but for a Christmas party gift, you know, secret Santa, whatever. Uh, and so, you know, those might be the $20 and under five, you know, even even the $10. So like, you know, what is like a little, like a lot of those little bottle openers, right? The bottle opener with a bent nail in it, something like that. Um, those are like little tchotchkes, if you will. Then you kind of get up to that next level of, you know, maybe a close friend or something or a family friend, uh, 50 bucks, you know, or a relative if you're doing, again, Secret Santa there. So kind of that that under $20, you know, the $50 seems to be a, a, a price point where a lot of people set for gifts, depending upon who the people are. And then, you know, $100. So I would look at it and have things that are across those price ranges. And the nice thing is, is that you can actually just differentiate products within there. So you could make a, you know, you you could make a $20 cutting board. I mean, it's going to be, it would have to be super, super basic to actually make some money off it. But, you know, for $20, you might be looking at some coasters. Uh, Again, you know, some of the bottle openers, things like that. Uh, Turning items are great if you you have a lathe, uh, some really basic slimline pins that you can bust out in, you know, 15, 20 minutes uh, in the in the $50 range, then you start getting into your cutting boards, but you can have a $50 cutting board and a $100 cutting board, right? Like if you have a $50 cutting board, maybe it's uh, just a solid cherry with a maple stripe down one edge of it or something like that uh, versus a $100 cutting board, which might be an ingrain or something just a little more involved that has a, you know, a couple exotic woods in it and is maybe a little bit larger. So that's the nice thing about cutting boards is that you can also, uh, you know, it's, it's all, you can almost, and I used to do it. That's how I used to do it when I priced my cutting boards. I priced them on like square inch. So like when I looked at, okay, how much do I want to sell a, uh, a nine by 15 cutting board versus how much I want to sell a 12 by 18, right? And so you're looking at that almost like, you know, pricing it in board foot almost in, in that uh, essence. Yeah. And in cutting boards are great. Like we're, it's good practice for all of us. We all know how to make them. And typically we all have tools that make those fast and efficient, but don't forget the sneaky live edge charcuterie board. That is a cake and a walk in the park type project. Go buy yourself some brass handles from Lowe's or home Depot, screw those bad boys in there. And you're looking at a really quality high, you know, highly finished quote unquote piece that you can throw that, you know, between 20 and $50 price point on there and not be out too much labor or too much cost associated with it and still have, you know, a nice, great product that literally required nothing but some sanding and some finish. Um, you know, so 
I, I, I'm with you there, Brad, on those price points. I, I typically look at it like, you know, what would I give my second cousins? What would I give my grandparents? And what would I give my immediate family? Like, those are going to be like what people are looking to buy yep. for. I mean, you want to provide to all those markets. So everything from, you know, serving trays to coasters to cutting boards and those charcuterie boards and small turned items, like this is where you want to be. Um taking all that scrap wood you've been saving and batching out a bunch of product. Uh, but you want to make sure it's happening in your spare time. Do not yeah. take away from your existing business um, unless, you know, eh, actually don't. No, don't do it. <laughs> right. Not yet. So, if, you, if you've got better paying stuff, then, then, then go focus there on that and add value to those. Like I said, exactly, couponing, yeah. couponing and, uh, you know, discounting your existing product line. So, you know, but that's you, also, and John, one, one thing I want to hit real quick before you leave that is that like we've talked about this several times on the show is that uh, that's also a great value add to your current and past customers. Yes. So if you have a dining table in the shop, use that extra hour to make that little set of coasters for them or that cutting board off the offcuts from that from that table. Uh, go back and, you know, if you haven't done that, go offer that to the folks that you sold the stuff that you sold to in the summer and we're just so busy, you didn't have the time to do it. You know, you can take that time, send them that note. Hey, I really appreciated uh, your patronage this year. And I love having you as a customer. Here's a token of my appreciation. By the way, I've got a sale going on for the holidays, 15% off. Uh, and here's this set of coasters that I made out of some offcuts from that table that we did for you. I mean, that that is the perfect time to like, you know, invest in there instead of trying to sell that coaster set for 20 bucks. Like you're not, you know, you're making five, 10 bucks off that max, right? Instead of that, getting that goodwill back to one of your current customers, re-engaging with them, getting back in front of them. And you're going to do that for 10 to 20 people. If one of them converts, you know, you're going to make a few thousand bucks off that, right? So that, you know, look at it that way too, is it's a, it's a great opportunity to re-engage uh, with your clients that you've had throughout the year. Yes. And I think, and you nailed on something I wanted to touch on next, which is going to be where to sell your products. You want to make sure that if this is going to be something that comes into the spectrum of what you want and what you're capable of, um, you want to make sure that you have somewhere to sell these goods. And my biggest suggestion is going to be to not try and create a new uh, customer or new clientele. Make sure that you are focusing on existing clientele or existing uh, marketplaces um, and not having to put the work into developing new ones. What used to happen to me in the past was that like I would have no online store set up for the entire year, right? Holidays would come around and I'd set it up. So now I'm just trying to create this new marketplace for our, my products online and it just became much more work than you would anticipate. And then on top of it, shipping is another part that goes into it, which takes up a ton of time. So make sure you're focusing on where to sell your stuff and going into your existing sales funnel, like Brad said. You already have the addresses for your clients. You already know where uh, that shipping cost is going to be. You already know how many of them there are. So you don't have to run back and forth to FedEx and buy a bunch of boxes and come back to your shop and pack them. Like, you know, you need 20 and you go get 20, you come back, boom. Like that, those little things are what catch up to us in the holidays. Um, so you, you want to be, my suggestion is going to be to focus on that existing sales funnel from the beginning um, you know, look at the friends and family, look at your email list, look at your existing client list, as well as if you have a social media following, gauge that following, throw a poll out there, which ironically, you may or may not see from me before the show drops um, and mm -hmm. see if there's any interest in 
small batch goods. Make sure that you're not trying to develop something brand new and then just have it sit around, take up space in your shop. Because those are going to be so much better opportunities with those warm leads than just coldly being like, hey, guys, 50 cutting boards available and you put 50 hours into them um, that you can't get back in order to actually like run your business and and hope that, you know, it, it doesn't uh, give you a huge hit when it comes down to, you know, the the last couple of days before the you know Christmas or whatever comes to be. Uh, and you, you, so the where to sell part is going to be a main thought process in your focus, along with your existing clients and your email lists and all the value ads that we were just talking about. A couple other places that you're going to want to be considering are going to be uh, local holiday craft shows. Now, with the timing of this show, I'm going to just anticipate or assume that it's going to be very slim pickings in order to get into craft shows unless you were previously signed up. But for those of you that, you know, had the foresight and did get into some craft shows in your area, be sure that you can add some of those little uh, upsell type things that we were just speaking about with coupons, with discounts down the line, with small batch goods, you know, with um, handcrafted tiny items that they can possibly think of, uh, you know, given to their grandmother or their aunt or whomever. That wouldn't be too much of a hassle as they walk around. And also have your staple large purchase goods to go along with it. Um, my friends I know that sell at craft shows and stuff typically only sell small batch goods. So when you're looking at those situations, consider bundling. You know, uh, bund- Create some type of value add for the seasonality in your marketing, not just in the product development itself. So if you're at a craft show and say you do something like uh, – you know, bandsaw boxes, we'll take the Pachuto route, bandsaw boxes or clipboards or uh, cutting boards, you know, instead of selling one for a designated price and having them all singly listed, add a discount for bulk purchases. People have more than one person in their family. So like, you know, 15% off for purchases over $100 or, you know, buy two, get one free kind of thing. Consider these type of opportunities when you're at a craft show around the holidays in order to batch things out for holiday quote unquote specials. A great opportunity to add some value to that buyer and catch the eye of people as they walk around the show. Yeah. And I I think another way to differentiate yourself as well is the the packaging, especially for small items, is that when somebody sees, uh, you know, I talk myself personally, right? If I'm walking around, if I see something like uh, that's packaged really nicely, And they look at that and they're like, wow, like they almost uh, fall in love with the packaging as much as the product. Uh, And this would be like, you know, smaller, like if you make a little wooden box to to hold a a bottle opener or to hold, you know, a set of coasters, but it's actually kind of self-contained so that it looks nice when it's just sitting there, not just when it's in use. That those are other ways that, you know, when when somebody, everybody wants to give somebody a gift that they go, oh, wow. You know, it was a, what's that wow factor, right? And if it's, if you can do that into the packaging as well, people are really going to enjoy that. So if if you have something, and I know like a real popular thing is like some wood shavings, right? So if you're using a hand plane um, <clears throat> in your shop, you know, don't sweep those up and throw them in the trash can. Use those to, to pat even around, you know, even a cardboard box filled with these nice curly walnut shavings looks better than, you know, some packing peanuts or, or plastic wrap. So uh, just think about those little touches because those are the things like, Again, as people are looking for gifts for other for other people, like it's it's all about it's a lot more about presentation because they're not just giving them that item, they're presenting them as something they're going to open to find the item, right? And so that that's all part of the experience, and um, you know helps helps just go that little extra mile if you have that versus uh, somebody else who's sim- selling similar things at a um, you know local booth or or whatever who might be at the same craft show. Yeah, and you uh, also so you, get to take 
that's the that's work off of the the person buying it, right? Yeah, if it's beautifully yeah, packaged. Like, don't, they don't, don't have, have to go this. wrap it. Exactly, and so they're like, perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another one, like, um, in the flip side of that, right? John too is um, is selling packaging for gifts. So like wine bottle holders, like that's a that's a big one that I see a lot of like a little box with a with a sliding top, right? There are people if they're giving a nice bottle of wine, like a, a box with some wood shavings in it where they can put a bottle of wine and it's custom made that, you know, that is a viable product to sell. Like you're selling a wine box. You're not selling the wine bottle. You're letting them insert, you know, whatever nice frou-frou drink they want to have in there. Yeah. And, I, and you drink Mad the Dog wine. 2020. Or, well, yeah. <laughs> I put, I put my Mad Dog in the box. It looks fancy. I put my Mad Dog in my, fancy. in my cup holder and, you know, just go. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, no, but that's a great point. I mean, let the individual fill the thoughtfulness of your product with them, like give them something supplemental, um, you know, and, and, also use that as an opportunity to go local. You know, Brad and I always talk about going local when it comes to building like a hard goods business. And if there is a local, I know Pennsylvania is weird because it's a commonwealth, but we have liquor stores here. Um, so, you know, going into your local liquor store, asking the manager if you could put some wine display or excuse me, wine bottle holder or display type things on a small table up front on consignment. You know, is that a good opportunity for you? Do, is that exist in your area? Doesn't have to specifically be uh, something crazy and over the top, but just a product that, you know, you could batch out and that someone can go in there and go, oh, my goodness, I could for extra 15 bucks, get this beautifully handcrafted box to go with this bottle of wine. I was going to buy Mimi for Christmas like all day. So yeah. consider that going local concept. It's something that we always undervalue because the internet is so big and so vast that you got to still realize a lot of people are running around for last minute gifts and they're driving around their local mall or shopping plaza looking for stuff. And there could be some really good opportunities there. And especially with those types of gifts that are supplemental to other products, like Brad was just saying. Yeah. And that, I know, you know, we talked about not creating new channels, but at the same time, uh, you know, again, going back to our episode about finding your niche, you know, the, what better time to try to get a new customer in a shop if you do, uh, if you are able to justify the price point of consignment or wholesale to go in and say, hey, I've got these cool things. Like, I think these could sell really well in your shop. Wine bottle holders are a great example because you already got people that are spending money, you know, like somebody who's going to buy a wine box, like they're going to be buying a, you know, 50 plus dollar bottle of wine for that. Like, you know, they're, they're not out there buying the stuff that I buy. They're, they're going to be buying, like, you don't put a box in a box, I don't think. That's what we, we get the box wine. So we already have a box. It <laughs> <laughs> just sits there for guests while you drink, but, while you drink Bud that. Lights. I'm going to, I'm going to make a box for a box. Like this is a Boda box and a wooden box. Like you open it up. Oh, wow. Thank you for the box of wine. Uh, <laughs> box, box, box wine. Box in a box. Uh, yeah, that's better than Justin Timberlake. And you put something else in a box. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> we, all right, we're going off the rails here. Uh, and and <laughs> so think about that. Think about the fact that you could go to um, high end, you know, like that. That's in all honesty, right? People, people go into their pocket around the holidays, too. And, and especially uh, if you're if you have high end wine stores and liquor stores, that'd be a great way to sell a box that you might sell for 15 bucks at a craft show for forty nine ninety nine at a at a high end wine store. Right. And so then you can sell that on wholesale for 20 to, to the to the store owner or whatever it is, you know, and whatever works with 
uh, what you're doing, which leads us into the next topic about how much to sell it for. So that's the one thing. It's it's um, it's really sexy to offer discounts, and we've already even talked about it several times. Uh, discounts and coupons and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all these great things, but you have to have your pricing right and make sure that you're making the money you want to make because doing a ton of volume, you know, selling 572 cutting boards is fantastic. But if you make, you know, five or 10 bucks on each one, I can tell you what, you're going to go out of business really fast. Yeah. And your pricing is going to, it always is going to have to be at the forefront of your business, especially right now, because all of us are willing to unload things because of the holidays to get more cash injected into the business. But if you're not actually making money on these products, Stand firm on your pricing, you know, be uh, be confident in in the business itself. You don't have to take a hit in order to get it your foot in the door somewhere. So, you know, watch those price points. Make sure that uh, you're getting as many high converting ticket sales as possible for your products compared to just moving product for the sake of moving product. You know, we're not trying to break even here. We're trying to win and we're really trying to make some considerable gains before the end of the year. Um, in order to set ourselves up for a killer 2019. Um, so going into your local markets and doing all these little sales, um, you know, tactics and stuff is fantastic, but none of it actually matters if you don't have the back end of your pricing set up properly. So make sure you're taking advantage of that, that little discount we're offering right now on the pricing guide, if you're struggling with your pricing, but also make sure that you're using a guide or some sort of pricing system for all of these products. Don't just, you know, throw some number out there without actually gauging your costs. Regardless if you're using Scrapwood or if this is in your free time or spare time, those are still costs associated with these products and they need to be priced properly. So, you know, gauge the market for what prices are out there. You don't want to undercut. You don't want to be the highest. You don't want to be the lowest. Get your pricing on point somewhere in the middle and then understand what your competition looks like. Put some sort of spin or something that's not specific to the holidays, but that is kind of timeless on your small batch products itself and give yourself an opportunity to go and put better products out there in order to win and not just try to, you know, discount in order to win. And it's kind of hard to articulate that, but I hope that makes sense that, you know, in order to get the sale done, don't always come down on price. You know, you can always come down in other places. Your, your cutting boards don't have to be walnut all the time. They can be, uh, you know, a maple or, um, a local wood that might be more abundant, that's a little more affordable in your area. You don't have to go over the top with all these crazy, uh, you know, epoxy poured type serving trays and stuff when you can simply get by with, you know, a hand uh, handmade good that's got some hand lettering or something burned into it. Yeah. You know, there's Custom, there's customization too. tons of yeah. opportunities there. You don't I, th- I feel like a tendency in this concept is for a lot of people to just go way over the top. Right. And just try to get something that's completely out of the, you know, ridiculous done. Right. Um, and then offer a big discount, yeah, on offer a huge too, discount on it and then just you take double a massive whammed hit. yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So avoid that. <laughs> Make sure you're taking the time beforehand. You're looking at your materials. You're taking five minutes to go. Okay. I've got, 10 board feet of this, five board feet of this, six board feet of this, and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be able to make this many cutting boards, and I need to get it done in this period of time in order for me to price them at this amount. And uh, if I don't sell them by this date, I'll discount them at this much, this date by this much in order to get them moved out the door. At the end of the day, if they sell at my bottom line price, I'm still going to make a 10% margin. Like, th- Take the time to plan that kind of stuff out if this is how you make your living. Um, yeah, don't just go and immediately throw all of your values out the door in order to convert a sale just because it's the holidays. 
Yeah, I, I love that idea of uh, getting ahead of it with a plan. So like John said, you you know, add up all this stuff. And, and the nice part about it is we'll talk about that a little bit later here in production. But uh, if you are using some of these offcuts and things, you are going to have some leeway on material. So that's that's where you're going to make up the time in the discount or that's where you're going to make up the money in the discount and still maintain some profitability there. Uh, and, and not just some profitability, but the kind, of, the kind of margins you want to have. And maybe your margins come down a little bit in some of this volume, but you want to try to be able to prop that up with uh, not only using materials and things and that you already have on hand, uh, but also with the production. So when you look at the pricing, if you look at a normal, like if somebody, if you have a, a price for a custom cutting board and you have factored in, whatever, four hours for production and so much material that you can go back and say, okay, well, that's my price for one cutting board. That's what I price people when they ask for one. But what happens when I make 10, right? What what happens when I make 20? And start to think about that is that when you're spending all that time milling down the lumber is that you get efficiency there because, you know, you've got one setup. And so you're only crank, you're only lowering the cutting head you know, one time for 10 boards instead of 10 separate times for 10 separate boards, right? So all those little things add up and you mm -hmm. might not think about it, but even when you're making a cutting board, like one of the things that, that I've done in the past that is like a great technique is if you're making 12 inch cutting boards, you know, glue up a 48 or 50 inch board. And then it would look like, you know, it's going to look like this huge charcuterie board and then cut it down. Like you've literally made four boards all in one with one glue up you know, milling and all that. And then you literally just cut it down into smaller pieces. Um, coasters is another great example of that. Like you don't make individual coasters, you make a huge blank and then cut all the little coasters out of that. So when you look at your pricing of what you would sell a custom cutting board specifically, you know, hitting on that, um, you can get some efficiency and you can either just make more profit because you're more efficient, you're making more money or use that to, to give a little discount like we've been talking about, but you're going to make the same money. And so you're getting you're earning that margin or you're you're giving value to the customer by being more uh, more efficient when you sell it or when you make it. Yeah. And and you can create those efficiencies in your process just solely by um, taking a couple minutes to plan out what's happening. And this is something that I have to do all the time. Like I'm making some um, I'm making some displays for a local gun manufacturer and they need 15 of them. Right. Well, you're not seeing content around it. One. So that saves me time Two. Um, I'm took the time yesterday to do all of the parts milling in separate stages. Same thing with these small goods for the holidays. You're going to want to do all of your hardwood cutting, all your joinery cutting, all of your milling, everything in a stage. So that way you're standing in front of the same machine and only there once you're not going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Cause that's where you start squeezing minutes and those minutes turn to hours and those hours turn to lost dollars in these times of the year. Um, and the other thing you have to consider with the holidays and stuff, especially with this production efficiency, is that most of us want to enjoy the holidays as well. Now, if you you know catch me three or four years ago when I was single and by myself in a basement, you know I'd work till midnight every single night, and there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Except you're you're not going to be able to enjoy any holiday parties or go hang out with friends and family that are in town for the season, and you're not going to be able to do any of that fun stuff. But you're going to make a boatload of money. So there's the trade-offs there too. Um, so, you know, just consider uh, the efficiencies beforehand and you can really make up for it and stuff. So, you know, when, if, if you're setting up a jig or you're setting up a tool, you want to do it one time and you want to do it in the most efficient way possible. 
a lot of a lot of us building custom furniture, you build things relative to the piece of furniture as you go. And that's in order to make the highest quality piece of furniture possible. That's unless you just cut everything out of plywood from a cut sheet and stick it all together, which is a little different than high-end custom furniture. So if you're looking to those, you're going to want to lean much more towards that second process in this um, time of year, just because it's much more efficient. Uh, and, and you know, there's some great resources out there for creating efficiency in your workflow. But I think that the one big part that a lot of us miss on is like we were just saying, Brad, is the planning. You know, if you've got yeah, if you got some purple heart, some yellow heart, some paduk, some walnut, some maple, instead of just slapping everything together as you go, take a minute to plan it out. And if you do that, it'll become much more efficient for you on the back end. And you're going to be grateful that while something's in, you know, glue up because you only have four clamps, that you're able to go into sanding on something else because you weren't just trying to throw everything together at the same time. You know, take a minute to to plan it all out and the, you'll pick up a lot of efficiency in the production there. Also consider what materials are on hand and what you need to order. If you have things that are on hand and you can't start building till say tomorrow, take an hour today to prep those materials that you have on hand in order for you to pick up an hour the next day in order to do something else that's more efficient. You know, uh, we talk about using um, offcuts and, uh, and and scrap wood and stuff for these times of year. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea as long as you're not putting countless hours into milling uh and and managing all of that stuff down you know like i i know i have offcuts that are ridiculous sizes and i spend a ton of time trying to stand there and stare at it and figure out what's going into it if it's too small or it's a weird size like don't don't kill yourself trying to make it work just order more of it and then make that make that yeah. cost up in efficiency in your workflow um, oh, you know, dude that's that's a great point because i have wasted so much time so much Trying to squeeze something out of like, oh, but I this this is I like I've already got this. It's free and and you're like, like and yeah. then I you know I I do a glue up of uh, <laughs> fifteen you know inch and five eighths pieces uh, you know trying to get all these little blends. It's yes. like no, if I if I just had have had the eight inch piece that I needed, I could have just slapped three of those together and, and been a, done. And that's a simple drive down <laughs> to the right. That's a simple drive down to the store, pick it up for twelve bucks, right? Come back to the shop and so like you could see how spending an hour for the glue up compared to spending the $12 for the board where you can make that cost up. So don't get stuck in that stuff. I know we all talk about using the offcuts and the, and the things that are free, quote unquote, in the shop, but you don't spend too much time on that if you really want to make some money here because it's inefficient. It's a great side project, hustle, whatever you want to call it, but it can become extremely inefficient when you're dealing with hundreds of cutoffs and hundreds of offcuts. Yeah. One, one thing, and this this is kind of, it, it's almost you know working as you go type mentality, uh, but one thing I used to do in the past, uh, and it, it makes it because it makes it just plug and play is like when I would get off cuts from a project, I, and knowing in advance that I would be making boards later, I would go ahead and cut them down mm. into like inch and a half pieces. Right. So Brilliant. I would, yeah, when I write it, when, as soon as I'm done, I would go ahead, rip them. Uh, most of the boards I made, uh, I would make them at around 15 and a half inches with a, with a 16 inch, uh, initial glue up. And then by the time I cut it to size and chamfered it and everything, it'd be, you know, 15 and three quarters to 15 and a half inches. And so when I was done with the project, I would just rip like all the leftover material. Like if it was in that suspect area, it was like, ah, eh, it's kind of too small, but whatever. I would just rip down those parts, cut them to length at 16 inches and then put them on the shelf. And so then it's almost like, like, you know, when you go to, to, to Woodcraft and they have the, the kits you can buy. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's like 
going to, you know, having your own little selection of kits. Yes. And so then you can go in and if you, if you are good about it again and throughout the year is going, so this is, you know, almost looking, looking back and what you can do to prep for next year as well is like, or just any time of year that you want to do stuff like this and sell goods like that off of offcuts is have like, okay, here's all my 16 inch walnut strips. Here's all the maple. Here's my exotics. I've got some Paducah over there, some, uh, you know, whatever I have in that, that purple heart or yellow heart or whatever that are going to be the accent strips. And so that's what I would just do. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to grab 10 of these. I'm going to grab two accent strips and then one, you know, teeny one down the middle, go to town. And uh, that just, it makes it quick and easy. So then you basically just go straight into the glue up uh, and then you can glue up, you know, five or 10 boards in a night and then have those going and, and then, you know, makes it easier. So any time you can do that on the front end, uh, you know, that's more of just a managing your scraps, which, you know, if you guys are anything like John and I, you're, that is a, a difficult task. Oh yeah. <laughs> some people are really good at it. Some people are ruthless, man. They're just like, oh, I'm done. Like I just burn it. Like, cause I don't want to have to deal with it, but I throw away, I throw away enough off cuts to make me want to cry. But if it's like a nice wood and it's a good solid piece, I do kind of try and do exactly what you said, Brad. Keep mine in like some semblance of an order. Um, last year was a big year for that because of all the production Buck and I were doing. So, uh, you know, we've got stuff stacked by species or as close to species as it can be. Um, and that way, when I go to do this, you know, little cutting board batches or whatever, I can go straight to the shelf that has white oak and straight to the shelf that has walnut and straight to the shelf that has maple and know what should be there and kind of where to pull from. So uh, I think a lot of this conversation gears itself towards, you know, that that planning stage. And I kid you not, like it happens way too often in all of our lives is that we don't take the time to take a step back, see what's going on in the big picture and get a plan in order to conquer that specific situation that's going to happen in front of us. Um, and, and it ends up biting us on the back end. You know, I'm I'm a big uh, <laughs> I, I fall victim to this all the time. And it is one of like my biggest, uh, I guess, constant working points of me is to try and take a step back and not just go and you know dive right in and punch something in the face immediately. Like take a plan and make sure you're throwing strategic punches and knowing the, where you want them to land kind of thing. And looking at you know what I'm going to be doing, what's my process here, make a checklist, get those things done, and then go to the next part. Um, it's easy to get antsy when you're making things and it's easy to get uh, you know, ahead of yourself as, as you're doing stuff like this. But I promise you is, especially in these holiday season, while you're doing these small goods, that if you give yourself a good chance with a proper plan, that you will be happier, you will make more money, you will make more product and you'll make better quality product. If you plan it out first. Absolutely. And you're going to be more efficient and profitable because of all those things, which is, Absolutely. which is perfect. And I, I think that ties right in you know, part of that planning session, uh, you know, should be some time spent with uh, your pricing model. And again, you know, check out the pricing guide. We'll have the links to that. You can uh, use the code to to get that uh, because I know like we've had a lot of our, our, our patrons and people who are on our patrons who, who have bought the pricing guide, who have said like, this has really made pricing things so much easier for me. I never knew how to do it. Uh, I always got stuck. I felt bad. And, and that's one of the things I think too, is that, um, you know, with all this talk around the pricing and discounts and the holidays, I think people fall into that that trap of like, oh, I, I don't want to overcharge people either. There, there's a difference between overcharging and gouging people and getting what you're worth. And and that was one of the reasons we made the pricing guide was because uh, and that was actually even like one of the the taglines, I think, was like, like getting paid what you're worth mm -hmm. is because 
what we what we heard time and time again was people uh, they just needed that that black and white reassurance that oh like if you add it up if you go in you look at these things you look at what uh what a reasonable rate is for my time how much i pay actually pay to put product into these pieces like this is a fair price like i i'm this is not a gouging price and we heard that time and time again that uh it just gave them the the stamp of approval or you know the okay that this this pricing is good and that they didn't have to sit there and him and haw and go ah 2200 bucks you know for a for a coffee table that sounds like a lot well yeah it does sound like a lot but you spent you know 30 hours hand cutting all of the joinery for it and you know it's it's all crotch exotic wood that you pay top dollar for and, and all these things that you know you have to you have to it has to be commiserate with that because if you're selling your goods and, and there's a whole other conversation about gifting and and you know just the great thing about being a a maker is that you can also make things and just gift it to people right and and then give them that value that you've put into the product uh you know for free basically for yourself just your time invested in whatever material but having a business and trying to sell your products you can't get caught in that trap of of feeling bad about your pricing. You've got to price what you're worth. Yeah, and you and having confidence in it helps a ton. So definitely, like you know, take the time to get your pricing down and on point with something like our pricing guide, and and then go into it confidently for especially for this time of year, and then know where you're going to be able to still make money and what your bottom bottom line price is. Um, you know, continuing with the the theme of this episode, I thought of something while we were talking there, and it's. It is something that I don't consider enough. And I guess as I was, you know, rambling for a little bit, um, I, I touched on it briefly, but I want to talk about designing for batching and, and taking that time to, uh, you know, kind of batch parts of the process out before they even happen. Um, you know, a lot of small parts goods. Uh, there's a great book. I did a little project on it by uh, Matt Kenny about 52 boxes in 52 weeks kind of thing. And those are great holiday items, uh, little tea boxes and, and, and tabletop boxes and stuff. But with those, you want to be considering, you know, joinery, you want to be considering hardware, you want to be considering finishes. Um, and those are good opportunities to batch as well. So if you think about it previous or excuse me, prior to the production of the product, you know, you can you can tell yourself, all right, I'm going to do maple boxes with walnut splines and a walnut lid and I'm going to paint the inside of the box blue. All right, so now you need to batch all your walnut to a thickness, all of your maple to a thickness, and cut all your miters at the same time, say if you're making 10 boxes there. You design to that process. Now, if you wanted to do dovetail boxes, it is going to be much more time-consuming regardless of what technique you're using in order to do that type of uh, production process. So think about those things as you design. And you can also take into consideration the type of hardware that will go into these things. So you can batch that out as well. Or... Batch purchase it. You know, if you're going to do um, some some what are those uh, L hinges or like a, a like simple folding, like buy 20 of them instead of running back and forth to Lowe's in order to buy one every single time you need it. Or if you're piano hinges or whatever you're using yeah. for stuff like this, think about it beforehand and design around that. Or also design around what you have available. You know, if you're you, you want to do a couple liquor cabinets for the holidays, you know, you do it around the hardware you got left over, like, boom, boom, you're already into that next phase without taking that hour to go to the store and come back kind of thing. Save yourself a little bit of time there because that all goes into the pricing process for these, you know, goods for the holidays. Uh, 
all the time associated with it you have to be considering. Most of us are willing to yeah. take it on the chin around this time of year, uh, as I said earlier in the show, but you really don't have to if you take the time to do a lot of the prep in the front end. Yeah, and it is a great way to set yourself up for a successful beginning to the next year. Like like you said, John, all every shop has those onesie twosies left over, right? Like you or like I've I've probably got and I'll use them, I know, but for example, I've got like two of like five different sizes of drawer slides because I buy them in packs of 10, right? And then I'd have you know, four drawers. And so I'd use eight of them and then I got two left over, right? I just buy them in packs of 20, but yeah, 10, 10 sets. So anyway, same type things. Like you have those little ones, you twos, you, what, what can you do with those and think about that in advance? Um, I also, you, you, t- you touched on finishing, John. Um, that's another great way to think about what kind of finish you're using. If you typically use uh, an oil-based polyurethane and that's, you know, those have got a pretty long drying time. You maybe you switch over and you try shellac and you not only get practice using shellac, but you can build up three or four or five coats in a night using shellac versus, you know, what would take you two to three days. So think about speed. Uh, think about, you know, how you're how you're going to finish the project. And again, efficiency around that designing for batching. You know, if you're doing shellac by the time if you're doing five boxes, by the time you're done with the fifth box applying that first coat of shellac, you can go back and hit the second coat on the first one. Uh, so think about that, you know, spray lacquer, things like that, that have a really quick dry time for small goods like that. It's great. And then uh, on the flip side, uh, if you're doing like small little gifts, uh, like just a, a really simple wax finish could be great. I mean, it's not something like, like a bottle opener or whatever, like just a, a simple wiped on and, and rubbed and buffed wax like you don't have to throw long drying finish on everything and that will save you a ton of time. Uh, and it's, and it's going to be just as nice a product. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't want to sacrifice the finish, but uh, just make sure that if you are using a long drying time finish that you look at the alternatives because there's a lot, there's a lot out there, especially for these small goods. Yeah. And you know, going back to that book with Matt Kenny, and I also, I just read uh, Mike Pekovich's new book too. And uh, both of them use exactly that, Brad. They use <laughs> milk paint and shellac a ton. Wipe on poly, quick dry and finishes. You can really get some quality results, especially with small parts goods. And that is 100% something you need to be considering in your planning for the project. Um, you know, it, a lot of us have these specific hand boiled kind of crazy cutting board uh, finishes that we like to use. But, you know, around the holidays, I think using the Mineral oil bucket method is a great way to yes. get a bunch of products done and you get some cool content behind it to boot. Like, so these well, everybody likes that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was so, what was that, John? 20, 2017. It was so 27, like cutting board oiling videos. Yeah. I mean, that was just like ruled Instagram. Yeah. And now it's, uh, you know what? I'm throwing colors, one but... up today. I'm going to go back in the archive <laughs> just because you said that. <laughs> throwing it back. But yeah, that was like the thing, right? You're like slowly pouring on the oil Ooh. and then like, right. And it's just yeah. like, it's it just, I'm sure people outside what are like, what are these guys and girls doing? Like, what is going on here? But, uh, uh, yes, looks really cool, completely inefficient. Get a huge bucket of mineral oil, and that's what people do. They'll get like Dunk a Rubbermaid or, you know, Sterilite uh, bucket, and then put a drying rack in there. Dunk your cutting board, sit it in the drying rack, in the oil so it drips back in there. You can use it. Like, yes, that that is a perfect example of, um, 
you know, something that you would do when you're, when you're grabbing content versus something you're going to do when you batch, like you just dunk those bad boys literally in a gallon of mineral oil and uh, let them drip dry and move on. Like this is not time to be slow-mo oil dripping on your, on your cutting boards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely avoid slow-mo uh, when you're trying to be efficient. So um, I, I really do think that there's some good, really good quality information in this topic. Um, you know, we've all been there trying to squeeze out a little bit extra at the end of the year. Um, just going back to touch base on, you know, make sure that before you get into any of this, that your pricing is on point. You know where your uh, bottom line is and you know where you need to be to make some money. Consider the marketplaces around you. You know, don't be afraid to go local, but also don't get crazy with developing new relationships and trying to build out these crazy elaborate plans. Stick to your guns, stick to existing sales funnels, use your friends and family and your email list and existing customers and social media to your advantage. And then also think about how much you want to be selling. Do you want to do five items, 50 items, you know, and then build that into your plan for production. Think about designing as you get into this production planning process, and you're definitely going to be able to set yourself up to get some wins, put a little bit of more cash into your pocket this uh this winter here coming into the new year and run into 2019, getting ready to just slug that thing right in the teeth. Absolutely. I, I like that when I was thinking, when you said, you know, instead of just punching stuff in the face, like I can see John, that, that needs to be like a new slogan. Where are you going to punch your next fro- project in the face? Like, you know, you plan before you land, like, is it going to be a hook? Is it going to be a jaw? T- I'll tell you what, uppercut? from like, experience, it's completely different to punch someone in the nose and the forehead, both parts <laughs> of the face. Both you do different not want results. To punch somebody in the forehead, yeah, or the crown of the head. That's yeah. a good way to get a broken hand. Yep. For all yes. you street fighters out there, if someone is punching you in the face, just tilt your head down. Just Let tilt him. your head down, and they'll have yeah. a broken hand. Let them hit you right great. in the yeah. forehead. I, I I punched one dude in my life, and I was twelve. Ooh. And like, how's he yeah, look I, now? I was. Oh, he's he's probably like six eight. No, I haven't seen him since I was probably like fourteen. But yeah, so I I was at um, Cub Scout camp. I was, it was Boy Scouts. It's my first, my first trip in Boy Scouts with this new troop. And we go on some trip and like, I don't even know what happened, but the guy like said something about my mom or something. I don't know what it was. Anyway, Standard. ended up, pop, yeah, popping the, you know, that was probably the weakest punch I've ever thrown in my life. Uh, probably the only one too. I hit this guy and it gave him a black eye. And it's like, and then like from then on, like, it was like going to the prison yard, you know, like you pick the biggest dude and you just slug him in the face and yeah. you're like, yep. oh man. <laughs> yeah. That was like my version, uh, unknowingly, like at the boy. Yeah. I just went in just slug some dude and they're like, who is this guy? And yeah, then they almost like kicked us out. But you know, other than that, it was great. And, uh, you know, I've not punched anybody since. So I, I don't really know what it's like to punch somebody other than, you know, like, uh, double dragon. Me and my, me and my boys have been playing some Nintendo lately. Yeah. They pull out the old NES. Yeah, my, that was my dad's advice when I walked into training camp with the Titans. He goes, walk in there, pick the biggest guy you can, and just start a fight. And I'm like, yeah, great idea. Great idea. <laughs> he's seven feet tall, weighs close to 400 pounds. And you want me to walk in there? And he's, he's by the way, their franchise tackle. Like, this is a terrible idea. I'm not walking in there and punching anyone. So, by, yeah. Find the biggest kicker you can find. <laughs> yeah, Janikowski probably throws a mean punch. A well, mean punch. I, would, I would not want to get in the way of Janikowski. Yeah, so so make sure you guys are checking out the – I'm stealing your thunder here, Brad. Make sure you guys Go are right checking out the show notes at, at madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 69 to get the – Links to all the stuff we talked about in the show and especially jump on that discount that we're offering right now for 
the uh, the pricing guide, as well as getting uh, any other information you might be looking for from from Made for Profit. We're definitely trying to do a harder push here for the content and the website and stuff. So make sure you guys are going to yeah, check it out. Absolutely. We got a lot of stuff out there and that's, we wanted to, to talk about the pricing guide and do that because we just like, we've got this thing and, and uh, we've not talked about it a lot. So bad on us because we've gotten great feedback from uh, people who have bought it and how it's really helped them make more money uh, in their business. And that's what we want to help you guys do as well. So uh, that is out there. Also, uh, we are doing a new push on Instagram. So make sure you're following us at made for profit and engage with us over there. We're doing a lot more uh, stories and posts just to engage with the community and see what's going on with you guys. So we love interacting and we'd love to hear uh, what's on your mind and uh, you know what you're going to be doing for the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also uh, we're, we're pretty active here on, on Facebook. We've got our awesome Facebook tribe at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit tribe. Um, and you can throw us some questions, especially if you are looking to get involved with more of the Patreon efforts that we're putting out here. Um, you know, we do have uh, the holidays coming up, as you guys know from this show and the fact that a calendar doesn't stop to wait for us. So uh, we're going to be doing some shorter shows coming into the end of the year here. And we're definitely going to be trying to engage a lot more with our patrons and keeping up with the uh, the patron after show just as we are with the rest of the show. So check us out over there. Absolutely. Speaking of which, why don't we go over and hit this after show? Let's crush right it. In the forehead. Forehead. All right. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>